What's up, people? This is the Mr. Mike Agustino, and welcome to another episode of the Mr. Benfica Podcast, episode two. That's right, we're back for a second episode this week. I want to thank everybody out there that took the time to download, share, listen to episode one last week. It was uh, overwhelming, absolutely overwhelming to see how many people listened to the show. The feedback was awesome. Uh, I got so much feedback, even with the limited means that uh, that I have so far for feedback. It was absolutely humbling to uh, to interact with, with everybody and to get some really great pointers and really great uh, suggestions going forward. I want to th- again thank everybody who uh, who listened to episode one. If you haven't heard it yet, go ahead and pick it up. Okay, it is. It is further down the playlist. Now, whatever you're using to listen to this podcast today, we're on several platforms now. We got picked up by a lot of platforms over the week. Um, Whatever it is you're using, scroll down. Episode 1 is right there. I also put out a little short, a little 10 to 12 12 minute short mini episode midweek. My immediate reaction to the the 3-0 win at Sportive de Zavj. I want to thank everyone that took the time to listen to that as well. And I want some feedback from you guys. Um, do you like the shorts? Do you like the, the, you know, the the immediate reaction, where I just talk about what what's coming up on the show later in the week? Let me know if you want. I, if you like that, I'll keep putting them out. If you could do without it, go ahead and say so, and and uh, we'll just stick to our Friday night episodes because it's another Friday night. We're here in the man cave. We're here in the northeast of the United States. It is cold. There's snow on the ground. But it don't matter because we've got Benfica. Benfica picking up three points again this week. And advancing in the Europa League. It was a big week. Um, it wasn't easy. but And it didn't look as pretty as it's been looking. But the job got done. Um, as I welcome everybody back. Just want to hit on a couple things. There's. There's some news that I want to share with everybody. The podcast, this podcast right here, Mr. Benfica, now available on iTunes. So if you use iTunes, that's where you get your your podcast. Please, if you haven't found us there yet, follow me on iTunes, okay? Subscribe to, to the podcast. Rate it. Let's get some of those three, three no, let's get some of those five-star ratings in there so that uh, iTunes can push this podcast a little bit and we can get out there to more Benficistas. There are a lot of English-speaking Benficistas out there in the world. There is a huge um, audience out there for this show. If you like the show, give me a five-star rating if you can. I truly, truly appreciate it. I know you hear this plug on every single podcast you listen to, whether it's Grant Wall or it's you know the guy down the street talking about about wrenches and power drills, you know, everybody wants the rating on iTunes because it really, it, it elevates you and makes you more easily found by other would-be listeners. So we're now on on Apple uh, iTunes, okay? Also, we got picked up by Stitcher this week, that was huge. Um, now available on Stitcher, if you're a, Stitch, a Stitcher user, subscribe. We're available on Spotify, obviously available on Anchor, where this is produced, and 
available on Google Podcasts. Those are really the platforms right now where we're getting the action. Um, whatever, whatever it is that you use to download your podcast, please subscribe, share, like. Let's get the word out there. Let's get Mr. Benfica out there to everybody. Okay, and a little bit of news this week, like I said. Um, we also have a new Facebook and a Twitter, okay? This this show now has its Twitter. The handle is at Benfica Mister, okay? It's backwards. <laughs> Twitter gave me the backwards handle. I put in Mr. Benfica. It must have been taken because Twitter set me up as at Benfica Mister. Go ahead, follow me on Twitter, interact with me there. When you're watching the matches, go ahead, drop me some tweets, and I'll do my best to keep up with everybody. I want this to be a real interactive show. If you're a Facebook user, we're now on Facebook also, and the page name is just Mr. Benfica. Go ahead and search for Mr. Benfica. I'm going to be sharing, I'm trying to share a lot of stuff there, try to share news, uh, video, content, pictures. Anything that comes out from uh, from Benfica, I try to get get up there for everybody. All right, and uh, as always, Instagram at Mr. Benfica. I also want to say thank you to a listener. Thank you to Dennis Cabral. Dennis, uh, I've known a long time. We grew up together, but he suggested the Foot Mob app for this show for me to follow the games and to keep the notes. This app slash website is phenomenal. I'm not being paid to say this. I am saying this because I truly like the product. Okay, When you're watching a game or after a game, go to this app, FootMob. That's F-O-T-M-O-B. Get it wherever you get your apps. Select Benfica as your favorite team. And they keep you completely in the loop. During the Europa League game yesterday, they, you know, my phone was going off at work constantly, constantly going off with Benfica updates. Substitutions made, I'm, I'm notified. You know, a foul. I even saw at one point that Galatasaray had scored. I had a mini heart attack, and then seconds later it said score correction, nil-nil. Felt a little bit better. Would have liked to have gotten that notification that Benfica had scored. It didn't happen yesterday, but um, the app really alerted me. It kept me. I knew what was going on all day, despite the fact I was at my desk at work, not really doing work, but pretending to do work, looking busy for the boss while trying to keep up with Benfica. So, if you get a chance, go to wherever you get your apps. Download FootMob. F O T M O B one word. We're now going to go to some news, like I said, club news. Okay, this is straight from the club. Earlier this week, Bruno Lage signed a new permanent deal to become the permanent manager. Okay, Bruno Lage was on a five-year contract. It was the contract as the B-team coach. He had been coaching up to this point with his B-team contract. Luis Felipe Vieira this week signed him as the permanent head coach, the manager. He will be. He is with Benfica now under contract until 2023. He got a nice pay raise, I'm sure. I'm sure money's not going to be a concern of his right now. If things keep going like this, I don't know how we're going to keep him that long. I really think this guy can, can do some big things for us. And uh, 
there's going to be big clubs looking for this. Uh, a little disappointed that the exit clause is only $10 million from what I understand. I think he's worth a lot more than that to this, to this club. And I thought there would be a bigger exit clause, but it is what it is. He's under contract. He's our manager going forward. I hope we have him for a couple of years and hope we can get back to our winning ways, get back to conquering Portugal, competing in Europe. I, we've got the man to do it. I hope we keep him a bit longer. Also this week, unfortunately, yesterday, Wednesday actually, I believe it was Wednesday, the under-19s were upset and eliminated from the Europa Youth League by French champion Montpellier. Okay, they, they lost a decision in France, I believe it was 1-0. Um, very unfortunate because Benfica has one of the best U19s in the world. Problem is, guys, you have to understand the best U19s for Benfica are not playing there anymore. They may have started the season there. They're in the B team. They are on the A team now. They're playing, uh, I mean, just yesterday alone in the Europa League, we had Jetson, Florentino, and João Félix playing in the Europa League. Those guys are all teenagers that would be in that team in the Euro UEFA Youth League. Also, Jota, the best player probably in the Seychelles outside of, of João Félix. João Félix is now a full, a full first teamer, so he no longer counts. So the next best player in the Seychelles in the academy setup is Jota. We didn't get to see him. He didn't make the bench yesterday, but we're going to see him at some point. And this kid is absolutely special. He also wasn't there to help pull to help carry the U19s. So uh, naturally, players from the younger squad had to be brought in. Um, so unfortunately, Benfica goes out in the playoff round of the U UEFA Youth League. Um, they will not advance to the round of 16 this year. But I have no doubt that Benfica will be back there very soon. Um, We've got a great academy. We've got great players coming through. We've been to the final, I believe, twice. Um, we have a, we've lost twice in the final. We've lost to, Bar to Barcelona and to Red Bull Salzburg. Those are the two teams that beat us in two different occasions. We are one of the most successful clubs in that competition. And I expect that we will be back and competing for that cup again. From what I understand... Also, Benfica will not play any matches behind closed doors. That had there had been a movement to suspend Benfica's stadium, uh, give them essentially a an empty stadium sentence for what was rumored to be four matches. Does not look like that's going to happen. That's good. Um, the women's team, the Feminino, uh, advance in the the Taça de Portugal in the Portuguese Cup. They're in the quarterfinals now. Remember, they play in the second division, but they have a, an absolutely loaded team that I'm convinced from what I've seen. If they wouldn't win the first division this year, they'd be second or third without without any problem. I want to see these ladies go ahead, go to the Jamur, and lift the Portuguese Cup out of the second division. That would really, really be the way to start the program. And I've said this for a couple of years now, I've been saying this, and... I wasn't sure it was ever going to happen, but I said when Benfica gets into the women's game in Portugal, the women's game in Portugal is going to be elevated. And a few, you know, years back, Sporting got into it. Sporting has been dominant, but um, there's a new team in town now. Benfica's here, and you're going to see the women's game continue to grow in Portugal. They've come a long way. I don't know how many people follow this, but 
in the last decade, half decade, they've come a long way. They qualified for the last Euro. They were within within arm's reach of reaching the semifinals. Um, groups were drawn this week, this week. They just got their their group for the next European qualifying for 2021. It looks like it's an attainable goal. So the women's game is growing. Befica's in now. There's no stopping them. And I want to see the girls continue through this year, wipe the floor with, with this second division. Uh, I think they've given up one goal this season so far. Scored like 260. I want to see that obviously continue. I want to see Befica in the first division next year. Champion back-to-back. Second division this year. First division next year, win the Tasa, go into the Women's Champions League and really establish the Benfica name. And lastly, um, for those of you that follow the Benfica podcast, you know the original English language Benfica podcast, uh, we got a nice surprise this week as CO10 himself, Cristiano Oliveira, returned to the Benfica podcast. He'd been gone for about 10, 11 weeks. The last time he was on the show was the first time Rui Vitorio was sacked before Luis Fluviera saw a light and brought him back. Cristiano, I think, was so was so discouraged from that that he he went into hiding for a while. But if you haven't heard this show before, you got to hear this guy. I mean, he is, he is entertaining. He knows his stuff. He may very well get under your skin a little bit because he, he is the contrarian. He loves Benfica, but he is the contrarian. He... He's the one that puts the downer. He keeps everything leveled out, you know. And uh, But it was great to hear him back with, with Cristiano and with, with Dave this week. So if you haven't yet, check that podcast out. Benfica Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Alright, so here's what's on tap tonight. Episode 2, Rafaway. Do the Rafaway. That is the name of tonight's episode. We're going to talk about the win at Absh. We're going to talk about the man of the match, Rafa. Okay, we're going to talk about another goal early. We're going to talk about João Félix. We are going to talk about Ferro, our you know, young gun um, involved. He was really the subject of the match, actually. Um, scored again, second goal this season. However, was sent off. We're going to talk about that. Should that have been a red? Did he do the right thing? Should he have just let Berle walk in? We'll talk about it, okay? Also, tonight, we're going to touch on yesterday's nil-nil draw in the Europa League. We're also going to talk about potential. Is fatigue setting in into this team? Is is Benfica starting to slow down? What do you guys think? Uh, we're going to... We're gonna, we're going to hit on that a little bit later in the show, okay? And that's what's on tap tonight. We also got a few other things we'll we'll hit on before we leave you this week. Um, we'll look ahead to Shavsh on Monday, another Monday game. <laughs> for those of us that work for a living, this isn't easy. Uh, another Monday afternoon game here on the east coast of the United States. Monday night in Portugal can't be any easier for them. But it's it's crucial. It's our last game before we go into the Clásico at the Stadio do Ladrão, at the, <laughs> at the stadium up there in Porto, before we, we go up there to where anything and everything is possible in the world of the weird, of the bizarre. Um, referees do things you never see anywhere else. I'm not, this is not a 
a show about referees. You heard my tirade last week about Portuguese media. I'm not going to get into that. But even I recognize when we're at Stadio do Dragão, when we're at the, the Dragão Stadium in Porto, you see things you've never seen before. Even when we're not there, we saw what happened in the Taça da Liga, in the League Cup earlier this season. What more could go wrong? We're going we're gonna to talk about it a little bit. Um, we're also going to talk a little bit about our opponent in the next round of the Europa League. But now it's time to hear from our sponsor, okay? Very important to hear from our sponsor. They make this happen. And tonight's sponsor, as it was last week, is Anchor. Anchor is the app I use to produce this podcast. So sit tight. And uh, we'll be back shortly with um, with the next segment, and we will go over the game with Desportivo das Aves. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to episode two of the Mr. Benfica podcast. We're going to now go over the match earlier this week, the 3 nothing win on the road at Sportivo de Zavge, all the way up in Vila de Zavge. We're going to start with the lineups for this one. If you sit tight for one second here, 
We're going to start with Sportive de Zavge in goal. Bernardeau, Quinton Bernardeau, the French goalkeeper. Across the back, Georges-Philippe, Carlos Ponc, and Diego Gallo. Across the midfield, Rodrigo Alves. On the right, Vitor in the middle, along with Captain Vitor Gomes and Braga down the left side. Up front, Mambo Samba Balde down the right. The central striker was Luquinhas. And on the left side of the attack, uh, an old friend of ours, it's Brazilian, Derle, who played for Befica some years back under Georges Azuz. And he would be a key figure in this game uh, as far as Desportivo Zabj was concerned. For Benfica, the starting 11 was pretty much unchanged. Uh, it's, it was what we've been growing accustomed to. Odysseus Vlacodimus is the goalie. Andre Almeida, the right back. Ruben Dias and Francisco Ferreira, also known as Ferru, as the center back pairing with Alex Grimaldo going down the left. Andreas Samaris is in the hole, playing side by side with Gabriel as the double pivot. Rafa down the left side of the of the midfield. Pizzi down the right. And up front, the twin forwards. João Felix as a more withdrawn. And Hari Seferovic playing a little bit higher. Benfica continued their habit in this one of getting out to a fast start. This is something we've seen under Bruno Lage. It's something that uh, we're growing accustomed to. <laughs> it's, it's a really good habit to have. It's not always going to happen, as we saw later on uh, in the week. But it, it really is a boost when you can get up early. Last week against Nacional, we got up 30 seconds in. We had to wait until the second minute. It was about, or the third minute, I should say. It was about 2 minutes and 40 seconds in. We get a goal from Seferovic, his 15th, I believe, of the season. Seferovic now sits joint as the top scorer in the league, along with Diego Souza of Braga and Baz Dost of Sporting. I correct myself, it was his 14th of the season. He sits ahead, however, for having fewer minutes played and from all 14 goals coming from the run of play. We're going to break down that goal just a little bit. Um, it was early again, like I said. The ball was out on the right flank on the foot of Andre Almeida, who found support in the middle, finding Andreas Samarish and the Greek international picked his head up. Played an absolutely perfect ball onto the chest of Seferovic. Seferovic brought it down and then with all the class in the world, cheeky little chip right over the outstretched goalkeeper over Bernadeu. And within minutes, like I said, second minute of the game, third minute of the game, Befica are up 1-0 and the fans are celebrating. Um, the pressure was on in this match. Porto had already secured three points and we knew we had to win to keep pace with them. And Benfica got off to just the perfect start. Um, and Benfica continued to play well early in that first half. Um, right up until about the 13th, 14th minute or so. It was, it was mostly Benfica. However, as the half went on, Avs started to get some some traction. They started to get some confidence. 
Um, they weren't risking as much forward. They, it looked like they were trying to limit Benfica's counterattack uh, by forcing them to, to play out a bit. Av stayed well um, organized and started tried to work the ball out of the back at a slower pace. They really tried to slow down the game as much as they could, which is not something uncommon, especially in Portugal. They would they would find themselves looking for fouls a lot. They were fouling a lot. The game was disturbed a lot. That You could see that was the plan Augustinas who put in his team to try to slow the rhythm and try to slow Benfica's momentum. Benfica have been on a very high. Um, so, Abs really were a bit cautious, but they overall a smart game plan. They um, slowly but surely started to introduce themselves into the match. And there was a stretch there for, uh, well, I would say from about the 15th minute until... Rafa's goal where uh, Avj was, was doing well and they were competing and getting some chances. Benfica were a little bit nervous there. The back line looked a little shaky for the first time, the two, the two youngsters. Um, I think what happened watching this game a second time was Samadij was really working hard in this first half. I think Gabriel, as much I've been praising him for a couple weeks now. You, you heard me last week talk about how crucial he is. I don't think he had as good of a game this week. Gabriel looks like he's he's starting to gas out a little bit. He's played very hard and played a lot of minutes and he plays at such a high tempo. He's always the pressing forward. So I think it may be starting to wear on him. You didn't see him covering the same kind of space he normally does which left Andrei Samaric with a little bit more work to do. And I think Watching it a second time, he got a lot of work out of Samadis. He was over. He was compensating a bit, but it was allowing Avs space. It was allowing them some some of the ball, allowing them to get into it. However, it would all change a little bit later in the half. We're, we're going to fast forward to the thirty-fifth minute. The ball. Uh, um, was played by the goalkeeper, I believe. He knocked a long ball. And I just said, you know, we didn't get as much out of this play. But once again, it was Gabriel winning the ball in the air. He was kind of alone, but he, he was in the right place winning it. The ball found its way to the feet of of Samadish, who knocked it, who knocked a ball backward to Ruben Diaz. And Ruben Diaz does something. He goes on to do something he does very well, which was to knock that long, long diagonal ball Ruben Diaz knocks it long. He knocked it. He knocked it down towards Peasy. Peasy brought the ball down. Okay, and what happened there? Then he found the, his his teammate with. Uh, he had support from Seferovic. The ball found its way to Seferovic, who found João Felix. João Felix then with a real intelligent play. And João Felix, we're gonna, I'm gonna. Talk about him in a second, but a real intelligent play, a no look, knowing that Rafa is is behind him, makes it like a no look pass backwards almost. Sean Felix's back is to goal as he receives the ball, but then he plays a real cheeky little pass with a no look behind him, knowing Rafa is there. Rafa takes a couple touches, puts it on his right foot, and buries it in the in the far corner. Befica are up 2-0 at this point, and, you know, I watch this game with my father, and I look, we both look at each other and say, okay, that's better. 
we were a little bit nervous because Avs were starting to put some pressure on, and we knew Benfica needed to get a second goal. And Rafa delivers here uh, a really, really class finish. And we are seeing finally the Rafa that we were looking for two and a half seasons ago, whenever it was that we signed him from Braga when we paid that large transfer fee for him. We're finally seeing it. He's playing in a position where he can utilize all of his strength. Um, there, it's He's so underrated because, yes, he misses a lot of chances. Everybody harps on him about that. He's not the best finisher in the world, but he never was a goal scorer per se. He's a player that creates a lot, but what he also does that he doesn't get enough credit for is he's unbelievable at tracking back. The man has phenomenal speed. That everyone knows. But what he allows the team to do is he can find his way back into the defensive third, make himself an option wide, get the ball on his feet, and he breaks with speed. He goes up the pitch with speed, and he gets the team out of trouble. He's able to do that. He's able to get on the end of long balls and outrun defenders. He's able to put the ball on his inside foot and make phenomenal passes to the forwards. I mean, he's a great server of the ball. He's got quite a few assists this season. He does a lot of things, and he really came out in this game. At the end of the game, Foot Mob rated him as an 8.6 and as the man of the match. I agree with that. Um, I know Sport TV didn't give him as high of a rating, but also named him the man of the match, as I saw in the post-game presser. But it was a breath of fresh air, and it was a little bit of weight off the shoulders of Benfica. They get the second goal, and the game goes into halftime with Benfica ahead 2-0. In the 39th minute before we get to halftime, we got the one little skirmish there, one little cheap play there by by uh, Diego Gallo, who... Um, kind of shoulder bumps Odiseyaj as he's coming out to pump the ball. This is, is a key because, to me, that's a clear yellow card. Again, you know, the referee, the, I'm not the referee. He didn't think so. But this would play into a factor a bit later in the game. I thought that, that Galu should have been cautioned on this play. He wasn't. He would end up getting cautioned later, which really I think he's a player that should have should have been sent off, you know, for the accumulation of yellow cards. But as we get to the second half, um, that sort of evens itself out with Ruben Dias, who also should have probably seen the exits. He was lucky to not get a second yellow card. But we go into halftime. It, like I said, it's 2-0. And Benfica come out flying again. And something I've said last week, and it continues to be coming out in the first couple minutes of a half, in the first couple minutes of the game. Benfica are so dangerous. Bruno Lage really has this team coming out dangerously. They like to play a you know, they like to attack fast. They also like to keep the ball, but in the early moments, they love to also get a long ball in and really put the other team under pressure quickly. You saw in the opening kickoff, it was just a couple passes, and that ball was knocked diagonally long, putting putting Avj under pressure. Corner kick ends up being surrendered fairly early. Uh, nothing comes of it on that one. However, um, Benfica obviously make their mark. We're going to fast forward. 55th minute, Ruben Dias sees a yellow card on a really bad foul. Um, Well-deserved yellow card. 
takes the player out completely. Not the smartest play by him, but he, uh, he it was his sixth yellow card, so he's in no danger of missing the next match or the one after that. Um, so he can live with it. Uh, Lukinia's ended up injured on the play. He was down for her for a bit, but uh, a few minutes later, the the play was was resumed. In the 57th minute, again, Benfica attacking, and Vitor Costa from from Avs concedes a corner. This is important because on the very next play, it's three to nothing. It's a corner kick. The ball comes down. Fehu gets on it first. It's blocked. The ball lands like right in front of him. It bounces up, and he puts just the <laughs> the most finesse little touch, and he just lobs it up and over everybody, over the goalkeeper, over the defenders. The ball ends up in the back of the net. It's three nil to Benfica. The young 19-year-old center back has his second goal of the game, and he's on top of the world. Um, a minute later, uh, Peasy misses a right-footed shot from the right side of the box. It was close, but he missed just far left on a pass from Gabriel. Benfica now at this point starts to really take control. Um, however, in the 63rd minute, that would change. Fehu would be sent off on a direct red. Uh, he was the last man. He didn't play the ball. He did bring Derlei down before Derlei was able to get into the penalty area. Um, I believe this is what, what he was really focused on, was trying to avoid a penalty kick. Um, this one hurts because now on Monday we're out another center, center defender, a center back. Jardel, we don't know when he'll be back. Conti is training, but... We don't know that he's match fit. And now Fehu is going to be suspended. Um, not sure at this point if this is a one or two match suspension because it was a straight red. He was the last man. There was no um, aggressividad. There was no aggression um, in the play. He simply brought Derlei down. The experienced forward that Derlei is gets good position. The ball gets played in behind the defender. And he, he keeps... The right body position, he keeps himself low, really kind of forces Fehu to decide to either take him down or to let him walk in. This, I think, is it's going to be a good learning moment, however, for the young defender because um, he got a taste of the difference here between a veteran, a professional veteran like Derlei versus what he sees in the B team or in the U19s, the younger players. Um, he probably should have, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. He probably should have let the guy in. I mean, it was 3-0. There's no reason to bring the guy down. Um, just do your best to, to chase him. Try to get body position. I think a more experienced defender would not have made that foul. I think he would have tried, he would have angled his run to get position back and just tried to force the forward to take a bad shot or to try to interfere any way he could in the, in the shot without giving away the foul. Um... Debate whether or not, had he been in the box, it would have still been a red card. As you know, there's the no double jeopardy rule that um, as long as the ball is played, as I understand it, in the box for a penalty kick, it cannot be a red card because the penalty kick is sufficient punishment. However, the ball was passed. There's some that say that he to have taken him down in the box, it would have still been a red card because the ball would not have been playable. Um... We don't know because the foul was outside the box. So, 
Fehu is sent off. Benfica are down to 10 men. And uh, nothing comes of the free kick. But uh, right away, Avs make two substitutions. Ruben Oliveira enters the match for Vitor. And Luis Farinha enters the match for Braga in the 65th and 66th minute, respectively. Um, Derlei wins another free kick down the right wing. Uh, and this is the foul from Ruben Dias that uh, the majority of pundits, and I think even most Benficistas will agree, could have easily been his second yellow. Uh, Ruben Dias very lucky to not have been sent off. Some say that the direct red for Fehu influenced the referee's decision to not send off Ruben Dias on this play. I mean, we would have been in a whole heap of trouble. We'd have no center backs for the next match had he been sent off for a second yellow. Again, very, very lucky uh, we escaped that. Um, Vitor Gomes, the captain, would would attempt from the right side of the box, but it was the the attempt was blocked. Uh, Grimaldo would concede a corner there in the 68th, but very little um, danger at that point. And Andreas Samadis and Diego Gallo would be shown the yellow card here in the 70th minute, and I go back to where I thought Diego Gallo should have been. Cautioned back in the end of the first half. He was not. So he sees a yellow here. So you can say it's a wash. Each team should have had a player uh, sent off for his second yellow. So it's still 11 on 10. But Befica starts to take control now after about 10 minutes. Um, they settle down. They settle in. And they start to get control of the game again. I've just got some chances, but nothing too troubling. Um, a lot of high and wide. Nothing too troubling for, for the Benfica backline, the new makeshift backline, as uh, Samadis drops into the central defense. And Pizzi went to play more central rather than on the right. But uh, we fast forward to the 77th minute. Jetson Fernandes comes in for Rafa. Okay, Jetson coming in off a real good performance last Thursday against Galatasaray the previous week. And he was serviceable. He came in. He did well. Um, added some fresh legs to the Befica midfield. Rafa came off. At the same time, uh, Avs would also make a substitution. Miguel Tavares comes in for the captain, Vitor Gomes. As uh, Agustin Asiu tries to, to get his something from him. From his team, he's looking to get a goal here, to to thank the local fans that were supporting his team and not not Benfica. Um, Derlei would get another chance with the right foot, but it would be high and wide. João Felix would have a chance. He was quiet in this game, and again, in a in a few, I'm I'm gonna I have a few thoughts on João Felix, but he would shoot from outside the box. It was close, but it missed to the left. That ball came to him from Ruben Dias. 83rd minute, Jonas enters the game. And I thought this was a good substitution. Because, like I said last week, I don't, I don't want to see Jonas put out there to start. Because I don't believe he's got 90 minutes in him. And I don't want to put him in a position where he feels like he has to play 90 minutes. Uh, he's missed a lot of time. He's, he's got a bad back. I'd like to take him in small doses is where he could help. I really thought at this point where Avs are going to be looking to go forward, this was a good time to bring him in. Um, he's not going to be getting bodied and getting you know hand-checked in the back by the 
by the center defenders, the central defenders, excuse me. And he came on. We didn't get a goal out of him, but it was good to, to get him a run in and to get him some more minutes, get some fitness back. Um, João Felipe from the Sportivo das Aves would have a left-footed shot in the 85th that missed left. In the 86th, we finally see Zivkovic for the first time in a while. He comes on, replaces João Felix. He gets a few minutes. Uh, Bruno Elijah said players are going to keep getting chances. There's been a lot of talk, whether it's on the Benfica podcast, on Benfica FM, um, about Zivkovic. We all see his talent. Why is this player not playing? Personally, I believe this to be true because when when Bruno Lage first came came on, Zivkovic was playing. However, Bruno Lage said those that won't work won't play. They play a high pressing system. I don't think Zivkovic has the legs at this point or the lungs to play Bruno Lage's game for 90 minutes. I think that's how he found himself off the off the team sheet. And what he's been doing, and it's confusing some people, but I believe what he's doing is that last, that 18th man right now is a rotating position between Zivkovic and Krovinovic. Okay, Krovinovic and Zivkovic are sort of splitting that. They're rotating one in, one out. And he's, he's given them chances and hoping that the game will go to a place where he can allow these guys into the game to let them get some more minutes under their legs. They've missed a lot of time. But uh, I did notice about a month back, and uh, when he played, I believe it was in Guimarães, Zivkovic did look to have a little extra weight on him. Um, I know this is being hypercritical, but I think his fitness is the issue. I don't think it's an attitude issue, because if it was an attitude issue, Lage would not be bringing him on, even with five minutes left, to try to get him some minutes and get him some momentum. I think it's a fitness issue. I think he's a good locker room guy. Now, he found himself not playing for Hui Vitoria, and when Bruno Lage comes in and Zivkovic is still not playing, people starting to say, something here, there's got to be a reason here. Something is consistent, despite the coaching change, about this player that has kept him out of the lineup. I don't think uh, Rui Costa, uh, Rui Costa, excuse me, I don't think Rui Vitoria valued the fitness aspect as much as as Bruno Lage does. So perhaps it's com- his lack of playing time between the two different coaches is completely unrelated. It's it's entirely possible. I think right now it's a it's a it, it's a fitness issue, and I think with Benfica advancing, and we'll get to this later in the in the Europa League. I think that's a good place to get Zivkovic. Some real serious minutes, uh, especially in the next round. With the opponent we have, I think it's a real place to maybe have him find some form. Krovinovic as well. I want to see these guys get some form. Yeah, they're not in the 11 right now. They're not our best 11, but we need everybody going forward. We're going to play a lot of matches. We need everybody going forward. So I think the coach is going to find a way to get some minutes with these guys. Try to regain some match fitness. Um... We'll fast forward to the 89th minute on a throw-in where Andre Almeida purposely takes his time, um, basically asks for a yellow card, and this is strategic because it was his fifth yellow card, meaning he will miss the next match. 
so uh, pretty clear that he did this to miss the Shavj match to remove any risk of missing the trip to Porto. Um, and I'm okay with this because Korshia, when when called upon, has been very has been serviceable. He's been very very steady. Um, it's even a good thing to put to give to give uh, Sebastian Korshia some time on Monday night. I think it's good. Um, I think he should have gotten some more time before this. So Andre Almeida picks up a yellow card. Will miss the next match. I don't think this is as big a deal as losing a center back. Um, Final in the final play of the game, or towards the final plays of the game, Jonas misses one from 35 yards out. It's just a bit too high. Obviously, um, has a free kick down the left wing. Nothing happens. A few more misses for each side. But at the end of the day, the match ends. It's in the night. Obviously, after 90 minutes, the referee blows the final whistle. Desportivo das Aves three, Benfica Sport Lisboa Benfica. Excuse me. Desportivo das Aves 0, Sport Lisboa e Benfica 3. Let's go down the stat line. Benfica had 30, 63% of possession to Aves' 37. However, Aves had 17 total shots to Benfica's 13 in the column for accurate passes. You'll see Desportivo das Aves with 232 accurate passes for a percentage, a success percentage of 73%, while Benfica, 475 accurate passes for 85% success. Aves with 15 fouls, Benfica with 16. That's pretty pretty even. Aves with 8 corners, Benfica with 6. Aves with 3 off, called offside 3 times, Benfica 1. Uh, pretty even in some of the stats. Um, shots on target, 4 for Av, 6 for Benfica. Benfica with 3 block shots, Avs with 5. Avs worked hard. You can see from these stats that Avs worked hard. They didn't possess as much, but that's by design. They wanted to make Benfica possess to try to to limit the counterattack. But boy, when Benfica had the chance, they sure do counterattack fast. With Rafa, with, with João Félix and Seferovic... There is some real speed in that attack, and Benfica can do it with about four passes. They're able to go from one end of the field to the other when when the other team commits guys forward. That was uh, that was basically the storyline for this one. Like I said, the man of the match uh, is Rafa with an eight point three rating. Excuse me. Um, the other top performers. The match where until the the red card it was it was Ferru who had a rating of seven point one. Um Andre Almeida with the seven point eight ratings, Ferovich seven point nine, Felix seven point eight, and uh Gabriel seven point two. Pizzi had a little bit of an off night at six with a six point four, Grimaldo six point nine, uh Ruben Diaz six point six According to the to Foot Mob, not one of his best games. But I'm going to talk about João Felix for just a moment. Um, he looked 19 for the first time in a while this season. He didn't have his best game. He lost the ball a few times. He's not getting calls. Okay, the, he's he's getting fouled, and they're not calling it. Um, <laughs> everyone's taking Jorge Andrade's advice and playing physical on him, but. Um, 
even when he's not playing well, like I said, he hasn't like his assist on the Rafa goal. He just shows an intelligence and a maturity beyond his years. Um, yes, he gets mad and he throws a little little hissy fits sometimes, um, but it's frustrating. He's 19 years old. He's playing well, but he's being thrown around a little bit by the older, um, more experienced players. But he's really still showing. Uh, his vision is, is impeccable. Earlier this week, it was in Abola. Uh, Georges Jesus, former coach, uh, was asked a question about him. And he made a statement where he said that João Felix is a player he puts as a hybrid of Rui Costa and Fernand Shalana, I believe he said. Uh, one of the number 10s, previous number 10s. And the comment section was hilarious because everyone jumped all over JJ, um, reminding him of what he thought of Bernard Silva, one Bernard Silva when he wore, when he was on the Benfica B team, and he said that the kid's only future was as a left back. So a lot of the comments were saying, we're calling him a liar, essentially saying, yeah, if you were still here, Jean Felix would be playing left back, but uh, I I see a lot of Jonas in Jean Felix. I see some Rui Costa too, and that's putting some really crazy pressure on the kid. Again, he's 19 years old, and uh, comparing him to to Rui Costa at this stage of his career is a little bit absurd. Um, but he really is that attacking. Midfielder. He's not really a forward. He plays as a forward, but he really finds himself in between the lines more than Seferovic, for example. A lot more like Jonas likes to do. He likes to leave the high position and find his space in between the lines, and then you know, you know, disperse, distribute from there. Either knocking the ball wide or attacking the open space. The sky is the limit for João Felix. Everybody knows that this kid can play. There's no question. I mean, he has been a uh, a revelation this year, right off the bat. And he's incredibly creative with the ball on his feet. There is very little he can't do. I mean, he's he's got unbelievable ability. And I really hope we can hold on to this kid for a few years. I don't want to see this kid turn in to the next Renato Sanchez. And what I mean by that is I don't want to see him go to a team that's too big, or a team that does not trust young players. Um, I've been saying this for several years, or since Renato Sanchez left for Bayern Munich, that he went to the wrong team. I believe had Renato Sanchez gone to Dortmund and not to Munich, um, well, I think he would have moved on already. He would have gone on for a huge price tag to a bigger club. He would have kept playing. He would have been in the team. Um, he would not have lost his form the way he did. I mean, he's been working for a couple seasons now to get it back. Um, it didn't work out on loan at Swansea. I really think that had he gone to Dortmund rather than to to Munich, of course that's assuming there would even be any interest from Dortmund, he would have really, I think the, his, his trajectory would have been much different. Um, so I'm concerned for the future of João Felix and that he's really taken the world by storm. His name is out there. He's being linked with giant clubs and I want to see that exit clause raised. I want to see it 
way up there because I don't want to see this kid leave until he's ready. Um, I don't want to see him go to Monaco like like Bernard Silva when he can be playing for us, a better team, you know, at a higher level. Um, and really, he's going to improve more with us than he is going to be playing with a secondary team whether it be you, Wolves, where he's now being linked to. And I love to watch Wolves play, but he's not... I just don't see him developing the same at Wolves as he will at Benfica. At Benfica, he's going to play in the Champions League. He's going to play in the Europa League. He's going to play in high-pressure matches. Not that Wolves don't play at that level. They're in one of the best leagues in the world, but it's just Wolves are not under pressure to win the league every season. Wolves are having a dream season being in 7th right now. Alright? Or 6th. Wherever they are, they're just behind, you know, the big the big 6. They are basically the king of the small teams right now. And, um... Personally, I want to see João Felix stick around. At least through next season and hopefully for another one after that. And really, really win some titles here. Um... My other thought is, again, on... Fehu getting sent off. Very unfortunate. Um, however, I think he, he seems like he's a bright young player. This could turn into a real learning experience for him. Uh, what were you guys' thoughts? I, I want to hear from you guys, be it on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Hit me up, instant message me, uh, DM me, whatever you want. Let me know what you guys think, alright? It's at, on Instagram, it's at Mr. Benfica on Twitter, it's at Benfica Mister, and on Facebook, just search Mister Benfica. Drop me a line. Let me know what you think. Is uh, is João Felix um, is is it fair to compare him to Rui Costa? What do you guys think? Um, and what do you think about Ferro? And uh, who should play center back in your opinion? I got my opinion. I'm gonna close the show with what I think should and what I think will happen next Monday night as far as the lineup goes, but um. What we're going to do right now, we're going to take a moment again to go to our sponsor. Okay, we're going to, and it's very important, like I said, for the future of this show, for the success, that we take good care of our sponsors. So sit tight. I'll be back after this, and we're going to talk about the Europa League for a little bit. We're going to talk about uh, Baby Benfica, as they were called by the Spanish paper Marca. Alright, and we'll close out with some final thoughts after that. Sit tight. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to the final segment tonight. We're going to talk about yesterday's nil-nil draw in the UEFA Europa League with Galatasaray. And uh, once again, I didn't get to really see this match at all. I saw the highlights because um, the Europa League is just not on TV here in the United States. Um, even streaming-wise, it's hard to find. you got to have Bleacher Report. Uh, Univision did not broadcast this game, so it was very hard to find a stream or anything that could be recorded. So, again, I saw brief highlights, but um, I followed the game on the FootMob app, and um, I'm more interested in talking about the fallout from this game, the what happens going forward now, uh, so much than the... the minute by minute, but um, we'll go with the lineups, starting with Galatasaray. Remember, Benfica coming into the match with a 
goal to one aggregate lead from the first leg on the road, so they have two away goals, meaning that um, at the very least Galatasaray were going to have to score two goals to give themselves any chance of advancing. Um, Galatasaray would line up with Uruguayan international Fernando Muslera in goal. Across the back, the right back was Mariano. In the middle, Christian Luyen Dama, the goal scorer in leg one with Marcão. Yuto Nagatomo down the left. Badu Nadai and Ryan Donk are the pairing in center mid. With three in front of them, Henry Onyekuru on the left. Yonis Belanda in the middle. And Sofani Ferguli down the right. Up top, playing as the lone striker, was Mbaid. Okay, um, so Fenerbahce played in a 4-2-3-1, and they would be meeting Benfica, as you know, and it's some changes from the baby Benfica that played in Istanbul. Uh, that name came from Marca, the Spanish daily newspaper. They called them a baby Benfica because Benfica was the youngest team of all 40 teams to play a European game last week. Benfica were the youngest squad average age out of all of them at an average age of 22.9 years old. Um, Benfica would line up in goal with Odysseus Vlakodimus, the Greek, the new Greek international, um, German-born Greek international. Andre Almeida was in for Korsia on the right side of the defense, presumably because Andre Almeida will not be playing Monday. Corsia will play in that position Monday, so they swapped. Almeida plays in the Europa League, while Corsia will play in the Liga Nage. Uh, Ruben Diaz partnering up with uh, teenager Ferru at center back. Ferru, remember, was sent off against uh, Avj on Monday. However, uh, that suspension has to be served in the Portuguese league, so he was available for this game. They pair up for now the third match in a row, and Grimaldo was the left back who was in for Yuri Ribeiro, who played there in the first leg. The center, the center mid pairing stayed the same. However, Florentino Luiz uh, was in the starting lineup again, making his second Europa League day, uh, second Europa League appearance this season. This kid has played in the UEFA Youth League, the Portuguese Junior League. He's played in the Europa League. He's played in the second division and now and in the first division. Quite a season for Florentino. Huge future for that kid. He paired up with Jetson as the center mid. Happy again to see Jetson get minutes. Um, he needs to play. He's young. He's sad a bit. He needs to play. You got Peasy on the right side of midfield. With Servi on the left, Franco Servi returns to the lineup. João Felix and Seferovic, the usual striker pairing up front. Um, it's not too much to, to go over. Um, like I said, the game was nil-nil. Benfica advances 2-1 to one on aggregate. The objective was achieved. Um... From what I understand, the headline in Ebola after the game was that Benfica uh, advances with the phrase they use, cum, with half a tank of gas. Um, so it does look like fatigue is starting to set in, and I've been a little concerned. 
because we've played a lot of games and a lot of guys have played a lot of minutes. But uh, Bruno Lage, you know, rotates the squad a little bit. We are thin in some positions, such as forward right now. Um, and the ratings for the two forwards are not particularly good. But um, in a 0-0 game, I mean, there's not much else you could expect. Uh, to the statistics, Benfica with 49 percent ball possession to Galatasaray's 51. Of course, without seeing the game, this tells me nothing because I'll be the first one to tell you possession without any context is the most useless stat in all of sports. Uh, you can possess and do nothing for 90 minutes. And uh, so um, the fact that, that Galatasaray had the possession advantage doesn't surprise me. They had to go forward. They, had, they were the ones that had to get two goals. It doesn't surprise me that they would have the ball Benfica would would um, not be terribly unhappy to let them have it either, as uh, they are a very experienced squad, and Benfica were able to, I'm sure, to stay more organized and uh, look to pick their spots. They, I'm sure they wanted to counterattack as much as possible, so how you counterattack naturally is to allow the other team to have a little bit more of the ball. Total shots on goal, Benfica 16 to Galatasaray 6. Accurate passes, Benfica's 322 to Galatasaray's 345. That's almost even. The success rate was 80% for Benfica to 79% for Galatasaray. That's uh, within the margin of error, as they say in politics. That's pretty much uh, a wash. Benfica with 17 fouls committed, while Galatasaray 10. 11 corners for Benfica. Um, 3 for Galatasaray. Benfica were offside 3 times, while Galatasaray were offside 5. Benfica with 3 shots on target. Galatasaray 1. Uh, a couple blocked shots. A blocked shot for each team. Not too much going on. Looks like it was pretty much your classic stalemate. Um... Another clean sheet. I like that. Uh, I'm big on clean sheets. Um, it really builds confidence, especially when you got a young back line like Benfica do right now. Uh, very important to keep getting clean sheets. You want to. You want teams to feel like they can't score on you, especially the games we've got coming up. Uh, Benfica, for the first time, held scoreless, held to a clean sheet, however, under Bruno Lage. A little bit concerning, but of course this is a midweek game. I'm playing two games a week for for a bit now. Uh, continuing to play two weeks, two two matches a week for at least another two weeks. Uh, we have a whole week in between games this upcoming week, or almost a whole week. So that's good. Uh, Bruvage is going to get to actually get some training in. That's important. Uh, there's not enough time for training in this schedule, so I think we have a slight advantage over Porto in that in that. Realm because Porto have a midweek game before playing us and we do not. Benfica advance to meet Dinamo Zagreb in the next round. The Croatian side. Uh, this is a club that is very friendly with Benfica, at least from a supporter standpoint. Standpoint. Benfica's supporters and Dinamo Zagreb supporters are very closely related. They're very friendly with each other. Should be a great experience for both sets of fans. My takeaways from this, other than, you know, this young team, this young team accomplished the objective of advancing. It's going to allow 
some players some more minutes to play again, which is good because we can get more guys match fit for the key games going forward. Again, I'm less concerned about winning and advancing in the Europa League. Um, the Europa League has its drawbacks. There's no question. You play, at least in Portugal, when you're in the Europa League and you play on Thursday, that means your league game is on Monday, Thursday, Monday, Thursday, Monday. There's a lot of clubs out there who don't believe it's worth the strain to compete in the Europa League. I know Tottenham have said said this years back that, um, I forget who it was from that club, if it was a manager or if it was a player, but you almost want to get knocked out of the Champions League altogether rather than relegated into the Europa League and give yourself the fixture congestion. However, I think we have the depth to handle this. I think the way this round was handled was very good, and I think Bruno Lage should handle the round of 16 the same way. If we lose and we go out, we lose and we go out. We focus on the league and the Taça de Portugal. I know we want to see a Benfica team in Europe. Um, and if we get to the quarterfinals, I say then you change that, that mentality. Or if after the first leg you need a certain result to advance, maybe then you take that, that approach. But I think in the first leg especially, I want to see baby Benfica again. Um, young players. I want to see... The, the, the guys logging the minutes to get some rest. Gabriel needs some rest. Um, PZ needs rest. Rafa's going to need some rest. The two forwards, we've got to get some relief for them. Um, very difficult because there's only three forwards in the roster, really. Um, and there's really nobody on the B team that can, that can come in and, and give some relief. So maybe we can start to see some rotation. But, again, it, it's a very delicate situation because you have Jonas. You don't want to risk Jonas for key matches down the stretch. But you don't want to run Seferovic and Jean Felix into the ground either. Um, this is why Bruno Lage gets paid now the big bucks because he's got to make these very tough decisions. Um, I think that you'll see a very similar at least in the first leg team, to what you saw in the first leg in Istanbul. Um, however, we have a week before we have to worry about that, so that's the good thing. We have Shavj on Monday. I'm going to talk about that quickly. We're going to have to see a change in the team because we know we have players suspended. My prediction, and it is what I would do. Now, I don't play, I'm not going to pretend... To be on the level of Bruno Lage, I might be the mister, but I'm not uh, the mister, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, uh, I expect to see Vlako Dimas, obviously, in goal. We're going to see Korsia on the right. Ruben Dias is going to, in my opinion, what I would do, Ruben Dias would be partnering with Samadish as the center-back pairing. I've heard the other theory that you bring in Kalaisa from the B team, who shouldn't be any bit of a drop-off from Fehu. Uh, Kalaisa's been with the B-team now for three seasons. He's he's played for the A-team before. If you remember the year of the Tetra in the last game of the season, he started and scored against Boavista in the last game of the season right at the end to uh, earn a tie and not lose that last game. Uh, if Bruno Lage goes with that decision, I can live with that as well. Um, Ruben Diaz and Kalaisa are well acquainted, you know, they had spent time together in the B team. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but personally, I think Samadish is a better fit. It's, uh, he's more, he's versatile, 
and he really will do whatever the team needs. He's a very valuable player to us. He doesn't always get the credit he deserves, but he can do so many different things. But in my opinion, I want to. I think it should be Ruben Dias and Samadis across the back with Grimaldo playing down the left side of the defense. Um, I think you plug Florentino Luis right into the into Samadis's normal spot alongside Gabriel against Shavs. Florentino has shown he can play there. I mean, he was fantastic against Galatasaray in both legs. He received a 7.2 rating here from, from FootMob. In the second leg, he was man of the match in the first leg for a lot of people. So I expect to see him. That's where I would go. I think that's where Bruno Lage is going to go. You're going to see Rafa and Pizzi come back to the outsides of the midfield. And no reason to assume anything but Juan Felix and Eddie Seferovic uh, starting up front. Very, very important game on Monday because, um, whether you know or not, Porto won tonight. Uh, they went to Tondela and won 3-0, so the, their lead is back to four points. We have to get three points on Monday so that we go into that Clásico with a chance to overtake them for first place. And at worst case, go into a situation where even a draw, we can stay within, point, we can stay within reach of them. A draw will also win us the head-to-head tiebreaker, so that one-point lead will would be a true one-point lead if we can still be at the very least within a point after that classical. Um, also, next week, Porto have to play on Tuesday, I believe, because they play today. That tells me they're playing Tuesday. I believe it is Tuesday, the 26th. Against Sporting Braga, their first leg of the Portuguese Cup semi-final. We played ours already a few weeks ago. Being, um, Porto are going to play theirs on Tuesday. So at first I was a little ticked off when I saw the schedule because I see Porto playing on 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 Friday, playing today. We play on Monday, and I, I was under the impression they were going to have an extra three-day <laughs> resting period, which wouldn't surprise me in our league. But... Um, no, they, they play today because they're going to play in the Portuguese Cup on Tuesday. Benfica will actually have one extra day's rest uh, for the week, and hopefully we can use it. I'm not sure, like I said, if if Fahu is available for the game at the Dragão. Also, there's a good chance that Conti or Jardel could be back for that one as well. So we'll see what... Bruno Lage is going to take to Stadio do Dragão and how he's going to line up. We're going to talk about that next week. Next week's show is going to be all about the Clásico. We're going to review Monday's game with with Porto, and we're going to talk about the Clásico. Okay, we're going to get ready for for the class. We have a date. It was announced, I believe, yesterday, which this is the thing that infuriates me the most about the Portuguese league is you, they announce game dates and times, Ten days out. It's 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 absolutely ridiculous. You can't make any plans. If I want to, for example, here in the United States, Major League Soccer, say I want to go see New York Red Bulls play Atlanta United this season, I already know what day and time they're going to play. It could be in October. I already know. I can book a flight. I can book a room. I can go see my team play on the road. In Portugal, you got 10 days to get ready. I talked about this on my demo episode that a couple of people listened to. I put it out to a very select few people. 
I talked about this back when Befica went to play in the Azores against Santa Clara. The game was played on a Friday night. They didn't announce it until a week and a half before. There were flights and charters leaving North America to the Azores for Azorean Benfica fans living in America that wanted to see their team play in the Azores were unable to do so because, as most of us know, flights typically go to Portugal from here on Friday night. They were, they were scheduled to arrive Saturday morning. The game was already over. The league could care less. Um, I don't... I, don't like the way they schedule this game, but we have a schedule time, so fortunately this works out, hopefully for anybody who is planning to go to Portugal. I know people do travel for these big games. Um, per I personally know people who have and continue to travel to these games. It's going to be Saturday, March the 2nd, so next, next week we're going to record on Friday night. And we'll release it late Friday night, early Saturday morning. So we will have a preview on game day of the Classico. It's going to be Saturday, March 2nd, 3.30 p.m. here in the United States, 8.30 in Portugal. Okay, we'll talk about that next week. That is going to be the big, the big talking point next week for us. Lastly, this week, we have just a few more things to talk about. I want to say hello to the other Benfica independent projects out there. Okay, uh, a, couple pe a couple people, a couple projects I want to recognize because I believe in supporting independent media, especially uh, sports media. The media in Portugal is so controlled that there's no independent message, no independent thought. It's very important to support these projects. So go out there, find the Benfica podcast, find Benfica FM, find a Simply Benfica. And last week, I apologize, I didn't know his name, and I'm going to say hello to, to José Arma, João Arma, Amar, I can't speak, Amador, okay, from Simply Benfica. Um, very good show, like I said. Uh, Check it out, okay? Also, Azagiesh, the ladies do a good job there. Check them out. Uh, Cassette Vermelha. <sighs> Benfica Eclectitu, if you, if you like the modalidades, check them out, okay? Uh, they got plenty going on. They talk futsal, they talk roller hockey, basketball, Volleyball, you name it. Alright, check out all the independent projects out there. Support Benfica, but do not be silent, okay? Do not be yes people. We'll support our club till the end, though. Uh, I'm going to leave you guys tonight with just a couple of announcements. Remember, next week, episode one of the Parking the Bus podcast is going to drop. Keep an ear here. I will tell you next week on this show where you can find it, okay? Uh, distribution could be a little difficult early on, but we will see. Um, we're gonna we're gonna be watching a classic game. The way the parking the bus podcast is gonna work is me, myself, and sometimes a guest, sometimes by myself. We're gonna watch a classic game from the seventies, eighties, nineties. That's where I'm gonna mostly stick to. Okay, uh, I'll put the link up on YouTube before the episode airs, so you can watch the game, and we're gonna break it down just like we break down these Benfica matches. Okay, um, 
lastly, I'm going to say to enjoy your weekend. Um, enjoy your your time. Uh, Monday, Benfica are playing, I believe it's at 3.30 again on Gold TV. They're also at home, so it'll be on BTV as well. Take your pick. I prefer Gold TV just because the picture comes in better. It's in HD and uh, at least through the Fubo service. And the commentary I find to be a little bit better. And no disrespect to Helder Kondut, but it's a little less biased on Gold TV. It is in Spanish, so you do need to understand Spanish in order to to uh, understand the commentary. Um, remember, hit me up this week. Let me know what you think. Any feedback, bring it. Okay, I want to hear the feedback. I want to make this show as good as possible. Okay, special thanks to everybody that that listened tonight, everybody that listened last week, um, I want to thank everybody that reached out with feedback and keep it coming, I love to get feedback and read it, read it on the show for you guys, okay, so I will see you guys next week, I'm going to be signing off with uh, a sound again of Benfica, okay, Damu set. come on Benfica, we can do this, Monday, let's pick up three points, and we'll see you back here next weekend as we get ready for the Classico. Good night, everybody. Have a good one. Signing off. Until next week. Tamu Trintiset.